So today, uh, Stacy Amendola Johnson will be sharing the word. I want to pray for Stacy. I want to pray for our brother Doug Gregan because Doug will be leaving here in about 15 or 20 minutes to go to another church where he's preaching. So I want to pray for both preachers today. And I want to prepare our hearts for the, the word that Stacy will share. Father, we thank you, Lord. Lord, thank you for this moment that uh, we're, we're ready to hear the word of God. Thank you, Lord, for a fellowship that, that um, consistently, faithfully proclaims what saith the Lord. We pray your blessing over Stacy as she shares the word. We pray your blessing over our brother Doug as he shares the word as well in another fellowship this morning. We pray, Lord, that your word will go forward and not return void as your word says. Let your word have its perfect results in all those that hear it. We thank you and we praise you for it, oh God, in Jesus' name. Amen. So most of you know Stacy as a worship leader. Uh, she was our, our sisterhood leader for a while. She's been involved with kids ministry for many, many years. Uh, she's been involved in many different aspects of the church. She's our church bookkeeper. Uh, she has been, uh, let's see, uh, attending school at Worcester State uh, for her degree in art therapy. She has a year of training at Master's Commission in Phoenix, Arizona. She comes uh, prepared and ready to preach. And when she says, Pop, I've got a word, this Pop listens to his daughter. (laughs) And she's got a word today. Give her a warm welcome as she comes, please. Thanks, Pop. Don't we have a great pastor, church? We have a good pastor. Thank you. Thank you for trusting me. Can you hear me? All right. How's everybody doing? Good? Good. Amen. I have a word for you this morning. The Lord gave me a word just for you, just for us. I was preparing yesterday, and the Lord was preaching to me. So I know that it's, I know it's a good word, and I, and I know that it's for you. I love the church. Like Pastor said, I grew up in the church. I love the church. The church has been a source of um, strength and comfort and learning. It's been a, it's been a source of pain, too. But it's, it's in the church that I have grown, and I'm excited to be speaking to you, the church, today. If you're joining us live, I'm so glad that you can. Listen, I'm so excited this morning because I believe Pastor said, you know, we we just trust the Lord. He does things, um, you know, spontaneously. Prayer this morning was so beautiful. Um, my in-laws were visiting are visiting from Oklahoma. They're traveling this weekend, seeing some friends, and then they'll be back with us on Tuesday for the week. They're um, it's great. They're they're staying with us. Um, but before they came, our house was like in an uproar, right? Because we were getting ready. We wanted to finish all the things. I wanted to make sure like all the laundry was done, getting all the things in order for them to come. We're finishing up the school year. I homeschool um, our three little ones, and um, we're like we were like fast rolling math to try to get things ready so that we could see them and visit with them. You know what I mean? And as I was preparing, I believe that the Lord wants to get us ready. And I think even so much in this morning, prayer time this morning, I believe that the Lord was dealing with things earlier so that we can receive what he's going to do now. So I'm really, I'm really, really excited. Let's pray. 
Father, we love you so much. We are so thankful. You are a God of order. It might not be our plans, Lord, but you put things together perfectly, Father. So I pray, Lord, that you just, we thank, I thank you for moving in our midst. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you not just live inside of us, but you come alongside of us. You move in our midst, Father. So I pray right now that you continue to speak to us, that you speak through me, Lord. I thank you for this word. And I thank you that you want, you have so much for us that you want to take care of everything in order so that we will be ready. I thank you for what you're going to do. Bless this time in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We live in a crazy world. Our culture um, is just a mess right now, right? Everywhere we look, we're being bombarded with just a desensitization to sin, um, a desensitization to our flesh. Like, everything goes, right? I mean, commercials are not safe. Our family loves the Food Network. Man, those commercials are a mess. You can't even watch the commercials. Um, we're, we're just being bombarded with this message, you know, trust your heart, follow your heart. You only live once, you know, you do you, everything's okay. You know, um, all that stuff. And I'm just so, the Lord says, you know, don't trust your heart. It's deceitful. Um, the Lord tells you, don't follow your heart, you know, trust my voice. Uh, you be you don't, don't be you die to yourself, right? Follow the Lord, follow the Lord. And, um, there's one commercial that says, like, you only live once, like 25 times. I hear it. I hate it. And I, I just was thinking, man, we, we don't only live once. We live for eternity, and it's either with the Lord or somewhere else. So I believe this morning that the Lord wants to take care of some things in our own life because we know that we're living in the end times, right? We know that God's judgment is going to pour out on us. We're going to be here for that. We know that um, the world that feels so good right now is very quickly going to be broken and looking for the church for answers. In the natural, it might seem like, man, no one's coming to church. What's going on? But in the spirit, the greatest days are ahead. I believe that. And guys, we are the church and we need to be ready for what's coming. So this morning, I want you to turn with me to Romans 8. Romans is a great book of the Bible. I love it. Paul is speaking to the church in Rome. He's speaking to um, Gentiles. They are learning about who Jesus is. Um, this is like 30 years after the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And they're just they're, they're, um, pursuing the Lord, but they really are, are just learning the basics of who God is. And Paul speaks to us so clearly so well. He starts, Romans 8 is right in the middle of the book, and he starts off Romans saying, like, God hates sin. God hates sin. He's so kind, but he hates sin, and he will judge you. Um, He says that, you know, sin leads to death. Um, He's telling the church, sin leads to death. But, oh, in Romans 4, Abraham back in Genesis, is the father of, our, of our, our faith. He is the father of many. We know that story, right? God promised Abraham that he would have a son, and it would be the father of many. And when we come to Christ, we come into a new bloodline, and we fall under the Abraham's bloodline, the father of our faith. So it, Paul starts encouraging the church. And then, he goes, and then he goes even further and says, man, when you come to Christ, God sees you as suddenly as sinless. All of that garbage before, all of that stuff that the Lord hates, you're sinless before the Lord. You're dead to sin and alive in Christ. That's the beauty of the cross, right? Jesus died for our sin. And then Romans 7 gets a little, like, mysterious because Paul starts talking about, oh, 
Before I was in Christ, I was up, down, all over the place. It was, I couldn't get it together. But, Romans 8, he says, but, listen to this, Church of, the, of Rome, with Jesus, all of that mess, all of the dilemma of being sin and being dead to sin and alive in Christ and all that suddenly makes sense. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit gives you life, sets you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of flesh to be sin. And so he condemned sin in order that the righteous requirement of the law would be met, and those who do not live according to the, those, us, no longer live according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. That's a, I love it. That's so good. So, um, Jesus told his disciples, my kids and I were talking the other day about, uh, wouldn't it be cool to have just been alive when Jesus was on earth? Right? Come on, all of us would love that. To be able to sit at his feet and look at his face and listen. But Jesus told even his own guys, he said, Look, it's better for you that I'm leaving and going to to eternity. I'm limited in my body. He was fully God, but he was also fully man. Instead, I'm giving you my spirit, who is the perfect representation of Jesus on earth. Sometimes we reduce the Holy Spirit to something that, you know, we invite to come in our worship, um, to move powerfully and then leave just as fast as he arrives. Or we think of the Holy Spirit as kind of like this swirling power that like comes and gives us, you know, a word and then leaves and always ready to come back or an arm on our shoulder. But the Holy Spirit is fully God and fully for us. No limitations. Amen? And Romans 8 tells us that... Uh, we are now dead to our sin. We are no longer a fle- of the flesh, but we are of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit lives inside of us and is alongside of us. John 14 tells us the Holy Spirit will abide with us. He will teach us. He will um, remind us what Jesus said. He dwells with us. You know, Acts tells us that when we receive, we'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon us, right? Um, so, so Paul is saying, you now have a new nature. What are some things that come naturally to you? It comes naturally to me to stay up late, too late. Um, it comes naturally to me to be distracted by colors and um, trees and forget the directions that I'm going, right? What, what are some things that come natural? My, we have I, one of my kiddos, it just it comes naturally to him to um, build things. He just loves it. Jack just can make something out of nothing. He gets it from my husband. Um, and my daughter Ava is naturally an organizer. I'm not. I don't know where she gets it from. But nothing, like she gets excited. She'll tell me, she put in her planner that in two days she's going to organize her bathroom drawer. So exciting. And that's not me. But that comes naturally to her. For me, like if I, if I lose my coffee, I just have to look in the sink because she probably put it in there. Um, things come naturally to us, right? But suddenly, Paul is saying, no, suddenly you're, you're, Pensions for the flesh, your natural tendency towards death, sin and death is no longer. You now have a new nature. It's spirit-led. How often we forget that. Um, 
we have God on earth in us. Have you ever um, brought someone to like your favorite place and they're suddenly pointing out all these things and you're like, I have never noticed that before. Or, you know, you invite someone into, into your home and they're like, oh, I smell, you know, bread cooking or other smells, hopefully not. And you're like, oh yeah, I do smell that. I never, I didn't smell that before, right? You're suddenly aware. When they point out things, you're suddenly aware of it. My husband and I are aware of different things always. I see you back. I just keep talking about you because I want to, I want to see you back there, Dan. Um, You know, when, when he's giving me directions, I have to it, it just it doesn't always connect because we're aware of different things. He's aware of street signs and highway signs and those things, and I'm aware of like trees and houses and you know a good cup of coffee or something. I don't know. So uh, you know we have to work together on that. But um, when someone brings things to our awareness, suddenly we're like, oh yeah, I noticed that, right? You know what I'm talking about? Yes. Good. Well, when we come in Christ, we are suddenly spiritually aware. Right? Suddenly we realize that, wow, we have a new nature. Our, the Holy Spirit lives inside of us. We are no longer of the flesh. We are of the Spirit. Um, you know how, how the Holy Spirit works, right? Like suddenly you've been thinking about somebody, so you, you kind of pray for them, and then you get a phone call and you realize, wow, the Lord put you on my heart. I've been praying for you for two days. That's so awesome, right? Or um, I have a couple friends that send me worship songs all the time, and it's almost embarrassing how many times I have to text back and be like, just right, perfect. Like I'm trying to think of clever things to say because I know that it was spirit-led. You know, the Holy Spirit was moving. Um, not too long ago, the Holy Spirit had kept directing me to a certain passage of Scripture. And it, it wasn't really applying to my life or my situation. And I was like, Lord, what are you doing? What are you, you know, and I kept just going back to it. And then a friend asked me, hey, will you pray for me? Will you agree with me in prayer for some things? And in, in a few days when we got together and I prayed with her, all of a sudden I just knew what God had, what the Spirit had been speaking to me just poured out. And it wasn't me at all. It was the Spirit inside me, right? Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Um, how we know what that's like, right? Um, on the other side, I've been asking the Holy Spirit for some for an answer for a specific situation. Dan and I both we just want to know what the Lord wants us wants us to do with a specific thing, and we've been really specific. I've been like so specific with the Lord. I've been going back to what I I know about God, and I'm like, Lord, I'm petitioning before you. I just want this is this is all that I need. Just do something or answer me. And um, verse twenty six says, in the same way, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, that help, helps us. Us also in our weakness. We don't know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he, searches our, he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. So that's saying that the Holy Spirit and God are working together and they know so much more than us. And I was so struck like, Lord, you mean all those like really specific prayers? I feel like the Holy Spirit's like, okay, Lord, God, God, my Father, she's wanting this, but I'm going to intercede on her behalf, and I'm going to pray for what's really better for her, right? Because just because we're dead to sin and dead to our flesh and in the Spirit doesn't mean that we're suddenly have arrived in perfection. It just means that we have access to the power of the Holy Spirit. Isn't that incredible? He speaks on our behalf. He intercedes for us. The word continues to say 
we know that all things God works together for the good of those who love him, those who have been called according to his purpose. For those who God knew, he also predestined to be conformed to his son. So he, he knew what he was doing from the beginning. He formed us in our mother's womb. He called us. He gave us. Um, he created us just right. He knew our nature outside of him. And he knows who we're going to be in the spirit. Right? Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. And then the word says, what then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? That's so good, right? Um, he, God, who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring charge against those who God has chosen? In, in our weakness, the Spirit intercedes for us. He speaks on our behalf. He knows so much better. He searches our heart. He knows the will of the Father, of Father God, and He works things out for our good. Amen? How, I love this. I feel like Paul is saying, is, is leaving the church not, with nothing to say. He's saying, look, what will we say? What can you say? Is there anything to say? No. Because God, who is for us, who sent his son to die, who knew us from the beginning, works all things together. Amen. And um, I just, I feel the Lord um, just want to remind you that God is the only authority in your life. God is the voice of authority in you. Um, Don't you know, our flesh loves to just rise up at the worst times, right? When we're physically tired, when we're mentally tired, when we're already dealing with our sinful man, we get the text, we get an email, we hear something, someone says something, right? And it's just absolutely the worst time because the enemy wants us to live according to the flesh. He wants our spiritual awareness to be dull. When we are focused on the things of the world and the things that are coming at us, our spiritual awareness is diminished. And just like we don't notice the things at our favorite place because we're focused on one thing, we're not seeing what the Spirit wants us to do. We're not seeing what God wants to do. Um, but, but I would say to you, God is your authority. God is the voice of authority in your life. So um, if you're wondering who you should listen to, if you're wondering where, where you should go, or what, if you're being swayed by something, I feel the Lord wants to remind you that he is the authority in your life. He knows you inside and out, and he's taking care of everything else. Um, I, I'm going to be obedient to the Holy Spirit right now. Um, I'm not even sure where he's leading me. How about that? We're going to go to Matthew. I believe that the Lord is saying to to one or many that you need to guard your fellowship with him. The Holy Spirit intercedes for you, and as you pray and as you confide in him, you need to guard that fellowship. And I'm going to, I'm really going out on a limb here right now. The Matthew 7, 6. Okay, do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under your feet and turn and tear you to pieces. I feel the Lord is saying to one or many, to guard your fellowship with the Lord. Guard your ministry. Guard your heart. Guard the dreams that he has for you. If you give them to people that, that he ha- doesn't have you give them to, they will trample it. They'll, they'll tear it to pieces. They'll destroy it, and they'll throw it back in your face. God is the authority voice in your life. So guard your fellowship with the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. He did it once, right? He'll do it again. Guard your fellowship. 
All right, I, I had big intentions to get into Romans 8 because it's so rich, it's so good. Um, if you are looking for something to read, I want to encourage you this week to meditate on Romans 8. You know, our meditation in the natural is emptying your mind. Meditation in the spirit is filling your mind. So I, would enc- I really would encourage you this week, read Romans 8, read it every day. Allow the Lord to speak through it to you. Um, but I believe that the Lord wants to take care of some things before he can even pull us into a spirit-led life. I believe that our spiritual awareness is, is being um, covered by a lens that the Lord wants to deal with today. Okay, are you with me on that? All right. My son Jack was sick this week. He doesn't get sick very often, and when he does, he's out for the count. Um, Tuesdays are his favorite day. It's karate day. He loves karate. It's the best. Um, Right, Justin? He was telling you about it today. Uh, Just loves it. Well, Monday night, he was under the weather. Tuesday, he woke up. He could barely walk downstairs. I just knew something was up. I took his temperature. He had a fever. I knew because I was looking at the thermometer, he wasn't going to karate. And he knew because he could barely stand up, he wasn't going to karate. And he was, I mean, it was devastation. My mama's heart was just like, oh, I know, it's so hard. You just, you, what can we do? I, I pulled out all the stops. I got his bed pillow on the couch. He got to pick a movie, which is a rare occurrence. He got ginger ale, hot tea, lemon ice, popsicles. I mean, I was doing, I gave him all the essential oils. All I eased his uh, physical discomfort. I, tr- I tried everything. And in the afternoon, I went and sat with him. I said, how you doing, buddy? And I knew he was feeling a little bit better, but he still had a fever. And he just said, I can't even enjoy this movie because all I can think about is karate. And it was so sad. And I thought, you just became my sermon illustration, kid. Because, you know what, it doesn't matter what good things I was throwing at him. And I was, listen, I was, I was doing it all. I was trying everything because I knew the disappointment. But he couldn't even enjoy it because his disappointment was so great. Well, this morning, I believe that the Lord is calling out your disappointment and your um, unmet expectations. And before he can take you where he wants to go and before he can fulfill what he wants to fulfill in your life, you need to come to terms with your disappointment. I had this picture in my mind of this powerful flowing water, right? Right off a mountain, just like pouring down. It was strong. It was mighty. It was beautiful. And um, the church was at the bottom holding little pebbles and every disappointment was going on the pile. And you know, before you know it, the pile was big and it was, it was big of little things. It wasn't big boulders. It wasn't big sin. It was little bits of our flesh that we were holding on to. And you know what? The flow of the water stopped. And the church was at the bottom saying, Lord, we're hungry. We're thirsty. We want to see you move. We need something from you. And he's like, I'm flowing down. I'm coming down. But your disappointment is clouding your spiritual awareness. All right? Do you hear me, church? Do you understand? It's not, we're dead to sin. You're here this morning, I know, because you love the Lord. You want to honor the spirit that's inside of you. But disappointment happens. Unmet expectations happen. And when they pile up, when they pile up, we, we aren't able to receive what God has for us. Whew. This morning, we're going to talk about three friends in the Old Testament. Last time I preached... 
I know it was like a month ago, but I feel like this is a little continuation. We ended with Abraham and Sarah. And this morning, we're just going to learn from these friends of ours who um, knew God and, and suffered disappointment. And I'm going to trust the Lord to speak to you because I don't know what, what your life is. I don't know what you're going through, but I do know that the Lord has a lot for you and little disappointments and little unmet expectations and little grievances quickly pile up and it creates a whole big problem. He wants you spiritually sharp, spiritually aware to see, to take you where you're going. Amen. Amen. So the first thing we're going to talk about is being ruthless with our flesh. You know that, right? Even the gospels talk about it. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off, right? Ruthless. Well, I want to talk about Sarah. Abraham, Romans 4 told us, is the father of faith. He, his belief um, in God's promises made him mighty. And he is the father of our bloodline. If you grew up in Sunday school, you knew the song, Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. I am one of them, and so are you. So let's all praise the Lord. Yeah, you know the rest. Amen. So father, Abraham was the father of our faith. And so that makes his wife, Sarah, our mother. And I love Sarah because she knew God. And God spoke to Abraham and Sarah in Genesis and said, I have a beautiful future for you. I have land for you. I have a promise for you. And I have a bloodline for you. Your, chi- your son is going to create a brand new thing in me. Right? That's so exciting. Sarah had a promise from God. And what happened was years went by and nothing happened. And she was an old lady and she was seeing nothing. And so she's decided, okay, well, Abraham, I don't, I'm not getting pregnant. We don't have any, I don't have any children. So she had a good idea. It wasn't sin, but it was outside of God's will. So she decided, I'm going to get my, my maidservant. I'm going to give her to you, lay down with her, get her pregnant. She'll deliver me a son. That was the practice of the time. That wasn't, you know, we kind of ruffle at that. Well, we do ruffle at that. But it was, in the, it was the practice of the time. It wasn't sin, but it was flesh. It was outside of God's will. So Abraham said, okay. So Sarah did it. Hagar had a son, Ishmael. Everything was great. She thought, well, this is it. God promised us, you know, a nation. He promised me a son. Chaos falls. There's drama. It's not right. Years go by. I believe, the word doesn't tell us this, but I believe Sarah had an affection for Ishmael who she believed was her son. I mean, it takes a lot for her to decide to give another woman to her husband. She wanted a baby that bad. She wanted the promise of God that bad. So I believe there was affection there. But what happens? God shows up and says, Hey, Abraham, in a year, Sarah's going to have a baby because I promised you that you'd have a baby. I promised you to have a son that would change your bloodline. It's not Ishmael. It's Sarah, the mother of our faith, and she's going to conceive. Sarah laughed. Wouldn't you laugh? She's old by this point. But something happened in Sarah. Her faith started to rise. I believe in that moment, her spiritual awareness suddenly got a little sharper. Sarah conceived and had a baby, Isaac. God's promise. What happened? Ishmael and Isaac could not live together because our flesh and our spirit cannot reside together. 
So Sarah became, I believe, I, the word tells us that she abruptly said, Abraham, get them out of here. I'm done. Have you ever been there? Moms, come on. Like your kids are fighting over toy and you're like, I'm done. Throw it out. It's, oh, it's over. Right? That's me sometimes. I'll admit it. Come on, guys. Sarah saw the chaos in her home. She saw the son of flesh, and she saw the son of God's promise. There was chaos, there was drama, there was unrest, and she said, nope, I'm done. Take him and his mom and get them out of here. She didn't sit down and have a conversation. She didn't even say, put them in a tent far away from mine. She said, they have got to go. Ruthless. In, our, in the natural, we think, oh man, she just kicked out this son that she raised. This was her idea in the beginning. But when you look in the spirit, you realize some things are not good for you. It wasn't sin that she, she wasn't acting in sin. But her actions became sin because they were outside of the will of God. And she was spiritually dull because she was seeing nothing. Her faith was weak. So when when she conceived the child of promise, I believe her spiritual awareness clicked on. And she suddenly thought, man, I can't do it anymore. We have to be ruthless with our flesh. Let me tell you what. Our culture will tell us to be kind to our flesh, to be kind to ourselves, to understand our weakness. God's word says no. No way. You need to be ruthless with your flesh because you have a new nature. You are spirit-led. All right? So what does that mean for you? I don't know. Galatians 4 tells us that Abraham believed God, so he became the father of, of our faith. It tells us that Ishmael was the was the child of flesh, of slave, and Isaac was the child of promise. Do you want the child of promise today? Don't you? Do you are you Sarah? Do you, have you heard, heard a promise from the Lord, but you haven't seen anything? So you've begun to move on your own behalf, not in sin, but outside the will of God. And you're wondering, why is it? Why am I in chaos? Why don't I have peace? Well, you forgot to ask God what to do next. And even though it wasn't in sin, your intentions were right. God will not bless the flesh. He blesses the spirit. So I want to encourage you before you can go into the place that God has for you to be ruthless with your flesh. I don't know what that means for you. That could mean very obvious things that you need to cut out of your life. Okay? We all know what sin is, right? But it could be very, it could also not be very clear. Sarah thought she was doing the right thing. Sarah was disappointed. And in her disappointment, she tried to make things happen on her own. And she was successful, right? She had a son. Are you trying to make things happen on your own? Maybe you have the house. You have the land. You have a family, right? You have the wife. You have kids. You have a job. You have all those things. But you didn't partner with God. And you're wondering why you're still not satisfied, why there's still unrest. Maybe your disappointment over not seeing the promise has led you to turn your face away from God and you're not even looking for the child of promise any longer. I want to encourage you to deal with your disappointment right now, today. I believe the Lord has today marked for you to deal with the disappointment of not seeing what God has promised you because when God speaks, he comes through. His timing is not ours. His order is not ours. Amen. The next person we're going to learn from is Hannah, another mother. This is in 1 Samuel. Hannah was a woman. She was a wife. She had the love of her husband. 
Her husband was a godly man. He had two wives. He had children. Um, but he loved Hannah. Hannah um, was faithful to the Lord, as was her husband. They, they went to the temple yearly. They made sacrifices. She was blessed in her life because of what her husband was giving her. But her heart was empty and broken because she wanted a son. And you can understand that in that time. Um, to not have any children, she really didn't have any worth except what her husband saw in her. And um, she, she just knew that she would live and die, and that was it. Um, she faithfully went to the temple and pleaded with the Lord. She was extravagant in her prayer. I love words that in the natural can go kind of weird, but in the spirit just open up a brand new thing, right? We sing reckless love, per- relentless pursuit. I love it. Wild spirit. Um, I love those kinds of words. Warrior, fierce, hostile with the enemy, right? Ferociously after the Lord. Well, I want to talk about extravagant prayer because our, our our lifestyle has reduced prayer to like first five minute apps. Have you seen those apps? You know, and they're not bad if you use them and, and it works for you. That's so good. But like we've reduced our relationship to the Lord with um, something quick. Like, oh, wow, I have this app and for, you know, it can take me through the first five minutes of my day and then done. I'm done. I've been in seasons like that, right? Where I have like a checklist in my mind because I'm busy and crazy and I'm with the Lord and I'm just like checking it off. Okay. I, I prayed. I worshiped. I gave him this. Done. Move on. The Lord is calling you to extravagant prayer. Extravagant meaning more than necessary, luxurious, out of the ordinary, extravagant prayer. Hannah went to the temple and poured out her heart to the Lord. While she was doing that, her rival wife, Um, would ridicule her and taunt her and tease her like, I have sons and you have none. But Hannah was so um, desperate for a word from the Lord that her face became downcast. She had no appetite. She couldn't even, she was praying and she couldn't even get words out, right? She was so broken. Sarah had a promise, but she didn't see anything, so she forgot. Hannah didn't even have a promise from the Lord. The word tells us that God closed her womb. We don't know why. All she knew was that she was faithfully going to his house and she wasn't getting anything but taunting, but being ridiculed, right? She was, she couldn't eat. She couldn't, I believe, you know, she couldn't sleep. She couldn't do anything. Her face was downcast. She was broken. She was barren. She looked around and saw other people had what she wanted. And she was like, well, Lord, you can imagine her prayers. Here I am. Here I am. I'm faithful to you. I'm here. I am. I have nothing. She was broken. And while she was um, in, you know, her husband would tell her, like, why are you broken? And he couldn't understand. And um, she just went to the Lord's presence. And she was so extravagant. Even in her grief, she poured it out. The word tells us that she prayed with no words. Have you ever been there? Like you, you're just, you have so, you are so broken that you can't even get words out. You're just silently screaming and crying. You know, I, I identify with Hannah big and Hannah was praying in her heart. Her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. The Holy Spirit wasn't on here then. This is the old Testament, but we just read about how the spirit intercedes for us when we have no words, right? Hannah prayed, but she had no words. The priest thought she was drunk, thought she was a mess. 
She looked terrible. I'm sure the word tells us that. Her face was downcast. She couldn't eat. And he said, how long are you going to stay drunk? What are you doing? And she said, no, I am deeply troubled. I I have not been drinking. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Don't take me for a wicked woman. I have been praying out of my anguish, out of my grief. Hannah's disappointment was so great. But it was in her surrender. I think that something happened in that moment of surrender, talking to the priest, just letting it out, saying, I have nothing, that she, her spiritual awareness, kicked up a notch. And and Eli prays for her, says, go in peace. May the God grant you what you've asked. And she said, yes, Lord. And she went on her way, and she ate something. And her face was no longer downcast because she dealt with her disappointment. She didn't, wasn't suddenly pregnant. The priest didn't give a word for her and say, you're going to have a baby. I have good news for you. You're going to have a baby. And she went, no. But she surrendered to the disappointment. She gave it to the Lord. I think that talking to that, that priest was just like such a relief for her. Like, I am broken, but I know the Lord. And, and then she went home. She ate something. Her face perked up. She went back into her life. The word tells us that she slept with her husband. That tells us that she was not, you know, like hiding under the cover. She went back to her normal life, um, feeling at peace with whatever God had. And the Lord was gracious to her and opened her womb, and she became pregnant. It says the Lord remembered her. Is your disappointment pulling you into grief? I get it. Are you in a barren season where you're not seeing anything and you're faithfully in the house of the Lord and you're like, what about me, God? May you be like Hannah, who was so extravagant in her praise, even in her grief, that her surrender was big. Ephesians 3.20 says, you know, God is able to do more according to his power. He, the Spirit is for you. God is for you. Sarah had a promise. She forgot it. She moved on her own behalf. It was, and because of that, she had to be so ruthless, so strict, so black and white about what she was going to do next. Hannah had nothing. But she knew who God was, so she was extravagant in her praise. And the next story that we're going to go to is Jonah. Man, if you're a Sunday school kid like me, you know that Jonah was like a grumpy guy. And God told him to do something, and he he was scared. So he got swallowed up by a whale, and then God had mercy on him and spit him out, and he saved the day, and it was all good. But that's not really the story of Jonah. Jonah was a prophet. I really, I really enjoyed reading Jonah. Jonah was a prophet. The word tells us that. That's that's pretty good, right? God spoke to him. He delivered messages for the Lord. He knew God's voice. He knew God. Jonah was a prophet, and God comes to him and says, "Hey, Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh. Nineveh is like this really bad city. It has a bad reputation. It is known for its corruption, its sin. It was a mess." He says, go to Nineveh and tell them that they need to get it together or I'm just going to destroy all of them. And Jonah says, no. Jonah's a prophet who hears from God, who is used by God. He's like a church guy, you know. And he says, no. And he gets a ticket on a boat to go the other direction. 
and he gets on this boat and the Lord sends a storm. And the, soul, the sailors who don't even know God, they don't know who Jonah is, are like, this is weird. We've never had this before. Who are you? And he says, you know, I'm a prophet. The Lord, just throw me over. I don't know. God's mad at me. And they're like, yeah, God is mad at you. And now we're scared. They didn't even know God. But they were, were impacted by his life and his testimony. And they're like, you got to go. We're, we don't want to mess with this God. And Jonah's like, fine. So Jonah goes overboard. He's, he's just done with life. He goes overboard and the Lord sends a whale to swallow him. How about that? So now he's having this traumatic experience in the belly of a whale. It's dark in there. It's, it's worse than death, right? And he says that he starts pouring out this extravagant prayer like Hannah. And he's like, oh, my God, I'm in a whale. I have nothing. There's water swirling around me. I'm going to die in here. He doesn't talk about anything else except his present circumstance. He's like, this is the worst place. Get me out of here, and I'll do what you said. Now he wants God, right? So he's like, Lord, please, this long prayer. And the Lord says, okay. The whale spits him out. It took three days, but the whale spits him out. And Jonah says, I'll go to Nineveh. I'll do it. So he goes to Nineveh. He does what God says. Takes him three days to get through this city because it's so wicked. And there's so many people, thousands and thousands of people. Okay. So he delivers his message. And the king of Nineveh who Jonah fully expected to be like, don't care, we love our sin, says, what? Oh my gosh, I can't believe it. And almost in a moment, the whole city repents. And the king puts out a proclamation and says, okay, we're all going to fast. We're going to tear our clothes before God. God is real. He loves us. We're, we're done with this lifestyle. We want God. Right? That's amazing. And they, you know, they tear their clothes. They go on a fast. The king actually says, how about this? Even your animals, don't feed them. They're going to fast before this God who has saved us. Okay? That's how much of a turnaround he had. Even the dogs are not going to eat because we want to honor God. And God was moved at their repentance, at their bowing down. And he relented and he saved the city. And you know what Jonah said? Oh, wow. I, I was used by God. Look at this city saved. No. Jonah says... I knew this was going to happen. This is why I didn't want to go. I knew that you were good and gracious. I'm not kidding. This is what he said, for real. Let's read it. I tried to stop going. I tried to go to Tarshish. I knew you were a gracious and compassionate God. I knew you were slow to anger. I knew you were abounding in love. You are a God who relents from sending calamity. I knew it. Now, Lord, just take my life. Kill me. I'd rather be dead than watch you save some undeserving people. That's what Jonah said. Jonah's disappointment had reached a new level. Okay? Have you ever, Anne of Green Gables fans, anybody? It's a movie, it's a book. Um, Anne is dramatic and has a lot of adventures. She loves words. I like Anne. And she says, after an adventure gone bad, I'm in the depths of despair. And her mother figure, Marilla, says, to despair is to turn your back on God. Jonah's disappointment, his disenchantment, his unmet expectations had turned into despair. He was so done with God. And God says, is it right for you to be angry with me? God is so good. 
I feel like I read that with a sense of humor too. Like God's like, whoa, what's happening right now? Is it right that you question me, that you're mad at me for being who I said that I was? And Jonah says, yeah, it is. I'm done with you. And he goes out in the corner and he has a pity party. He sits down and the sun, the Lord um, sends scorching heat and a wind and all this stuff. And God allows a plant to grow to shade him. And Jonah's so happy. It's like when you're hangry and you need something to eat so bad, then you eat something and you're suddenly a different person. Does that happen to anybody? No? Jonah was suddenly much better, you know, and he was... He was okay. And then in the night, God sent a worm, which chewed the plant so that it withered. And then the sun rose, and God provided a scorching wind and sun blazing on Jonah's head, so he grew faint. And he wanted to die. And he said to God, God, it would be better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah again, is it right for you to be angry? Like, I sent you that plant. Why are you angry? And Jonah says, it is. I'm so angry right now. I wish I were dead. Listen, church, I'm saying this like it's funny because Jonah's having a temper tantrum. But how many of us have been there with the Lord? Okay, Jonah's so mad that God was who he said he was going to be. He's so mad that God didn't take care of the bad people, right? The Lord says, you have been concerned about this plant, which you didn't tend to, you didn't make it grow, you didn't take care of it. It sprang up overnight, and then it died. Should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are thousands of people? The last line in Jonah says, and and even their animals? God's saying, This city just turned around. Even their animals are fasting before me. And you're mad because I am who I say that I am. Listen, church. I want to, I want to allow, I want to let the Lord do what he wants to do. I was preaching this word to my kids in the car driving around this week. And Ava said to me, Mama, have you, have you ever been Sarah? I've been Sarah. I've been Sarah, and I am Sarah. I've been Sarah waiting for a promise, waiting for the fulfillment of a promise from God. If you've heard my testimony, you know the Lord hid me for many years. The first 20 years of my life, the Lord hid me. I know that, and I'm so grateful for it now. And godly men and women spoke over me and prayed for me things that didn't make sense in that moment, but I am hearing them again now, and I know that they were spirit-led, and God was protecting me. But for so long, I was hung up waiting for that promise to be fulfilled. Well, right now, here, right now, God's fulfilling promises that he spoke over me. And, and I'm Sarah trying to make things happen on my own, not in sin, but outside of his will. And I'm Sarah now, still believing for the promise of God, and I want it. I want it. I don't want the flesh. And, and, you know, Ella, Ella said, well, Mommy, you've been Hannah. And I've been Hannah, figuratively and literally. I've been Hannah, barren, unable to get pregnant. I've been Hannah, pleading with the Lord, wondering why he wasn't hearing me. And I want to be Hannah. Because, you know, the word tells us that when God gave her, his, gave her what she wanted... She honored her prayer and gave her son right back to the Lord. And the word goes on to say that every year she would make him a coat and bring it to him. 
She took care of what God gave her even after she gave it away. I want to be Hannah. And you know what's next, right? My son was like, but mama, you've never been Jonah. I've been Jonah. I've been Jonah. I've had a ticket to Tarshish. I've had a ticket the other way. And I have been, I remember clear as day. I'm so grateful for the Holy Spirit. I'm so grateful that out of, in no respect to what we do, when we are in Christ, we receive the Holy Spirit. Because I remember the day I was broken. I was Sarah. I had a promise from God that I wasn't seeing. I was Hannah. And I didn't have what I wanted And I was Jonah, and I was thinking, God, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't understand. And you know, Jonah, uh, Jonah's, we don't know what was happening in his life, but I, I believe that, man, he was so disappointed. He had so many things done to him, or he had seen so much garbage. His trauma, his pain had, had just turned him into this angry man. And even though he knew God, he couldn't handle it. And I, I, I'm so grateful for the spirit that spoke to me before our children were born. And the spirit said, you're with me or you're not. And I'm so grateful for the Holy Spirit who interceded on my behalf that I was able to, you know, take care of what God wanted. But I've been Jonah. So this morning, I believe that the Lord wants to deal with some things in your life, in your spirit, because you can't go on to what's next, because your disappointment is, is so great. We're all, we all have disappointment, right? It could be of our own doing, like we're disappointed in our own self for making poor choices, for walking outside of God's will, for choosing the flesh, for choosing sin, and now we're suffering the consequences. We're disappointed about things that have been done to us. I, you know, the Lord's been saying it through worship for a month now, but I believe that there is trauma that God wants to heal for once and for all in his house. Maybe you're, you're belie- you have had received a promise from God and you're seeing nothing. Maybe everything in your life is overshadowed by what could have been or what should have been or what you thought was better. Maybe you're Hannah and you see God blessing everybody else and you're wondering, what about you? Maybe you're Jonah. Maybe you're Jonah in the sense that You see the garbage and you think, man, I don't even want to try. for us we want to be spirit led we want to be so yielded to you that it's easy to be ruthless with our flesh we want to be so yielded to you father that we can pour out extravagant praise extravagant prayer even when we see nothing we want to be so yielded to you God that our disappointment that our that our that our the stuff is an easy surrender. 
Lord, I thank you that you are the God of restoration. I thank you that you are the God of, of tenderness, that you bring us back to tenderness. So I pray right now, Father, church listen the Lord wants to meet you in your disappointment he wants to meet you in your despair he wants to his living water is just waiting to pour over you he wants to make your spiritual awareness sharp he wants to heal the pain nobody wants to be Jonah but man Jonah knew God he knew the voice of God your way into his presence so that when he speaks to you, you'll be able to hear him. Hallelujah. I, I, I also, I feel the Lord wants to speak to those who have been burdened with prayer, burdened, like you, you have an intercessory spirit and you are battle-worn and you have been listening to the lies of the enemy that tell you that your, your prayers are ineffective and your fight is insignificant. And the Lord would say, I have called you. I have anointed and appointed you. I have chosen you to stand in the gap, to command and decree, to sing out, to strike the ground. So it's time to get up from what you think should be it's time to turn your eyes away from what you think should be and instead make your way back to the front line because before you get there, I will pull you into my strategy room and the Spirit will intercede for you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Pastor's going to come. We're going to trust the Lord here. Hallelujah. Thank you, Stacy. Why don't we all stand together if we can? That was a word, church. That was a word. I want to ask Stacy to be available to have to pray with people. Uh, Pamela, maybe you could be available to pray with people. Uh, our brother Bill Larios. Bill, if you could just be available to pray with people in a few minutes. This reminds me of times of uh, like moments of truth. Have you ever had a moment of truth when when you knew something was going on and but you had to respond to it and you could have let it go, but if you dealt with it, 
It was liberating. Does that make any sense to anybody? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say a prayer. Uh, if you've got to go, God bless you. If you want to stay and have some altar time, we'll pray with you. But if you can identify with Sarah, who with a good heart acted in her flesh, maybe you need to pray about that. Or if you can identify with Hannah, that prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and God didn't do anything until one day. Maybe you need to pray about that. If you're a Jonah, you identify with Jonah when you know all the right things. You, you know it, but you don't want God to do it because you have a grudge against somebody or something. Maybe we just need to pray about that. Dear Father, thank you for this service today. Thank you for our time of prayer and our time of worship, our time of praise. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness. Thank you for our time in the Word of God that really spoke to our hearts. Lord, may we endeavor to live in Romans 8 as the Spirit of God leads us into a new life in Christ Let us be able to put aside the old nature, the old life, that we may hear your voice for today. So we thank you, Lord. And right now, Lord, as we we, uh, surrender to you uh, these issues of our lives, we're going to ask for your Holy Spirit to move really powerfully. Change us, oh God. Change us, oh God. We surrender to your Lordship. We pray for a, just a sovereign move of your spirit right now upon the remaining part of this service today. In Jesus' name. Okay, the altars are open. We're going to sing a little bit. If you got to go, God bless you. If you could stay for prayer, God bless you. Change my heart, oh God, make it ever true. Change my heart, oh God, may I be like you, may I be like you. Let's sing it again. Change my heart, oh God, make it ever true. Change my heart, oh God, 
May I be, may I be like you, for you are the potter. everyone to step out and just gather around the front here. Uh, we have some some young women from North Point that are getting ready for the mission field this summer. Uh, why don't you come over? We want to pray for you and your friend. North Point, North Point student, come on over. I don't know everyone's name. Lydia and L- Livia and Attica. Okay, so these two ladies are from North Point. They're going. To, where are you going? Camperia. And what's going on? Oh, you're volunteering? Okay, very good. Okay, we're going to pray for you. Stacey, I'm going to ask you to pray. We pray for them? And just pray for God's blessing and, and to close out the service. Will you do that? Hallelujah. Lord, I, Lord, we love you. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for moving in our midst. We thank you for um, opening our spiritual eyes. We, we trust you, Father. We give you the, all all the things, Lord, this morning. I just thank you that you intercede on our behalf. I thank you for these young women. I thank you for their hearts after you, their desire to bless you with their life, Lord. I pray that they will have confidence with every step, with every word, Lord. I pray. I I thank you, Father, that they are. A, they know the secret place. I thank you that they know the secret place where you are, Father. I pray that they will have the spirit of Joshua, and they will stay where you are. I thank you for who they come in contact, where you bring them. I pray that they will have confidence and boldness to stay in your presence and to, to show your, share your love, to share your glory, Father. But I, I pray a covering over them like Joshua that will stay where you are. I thank you for what you're going to do. And I bless your church, Father. I bless your, your people. Lord, we are, we belong to you. We are part of your bloodline. We thank you, Lord. And I pray that faith will continue to arise, that as we leave this morning, we will be so aware of you moving in our midst. I pray against the little things that pile up that keep us from your living water. I pray that you release the water of your spirit to flow over us, Lord. As it comes down, I pray for chains to be broken. In 
in the name of Jesus. I pray for grievances to fade away in your name. I pray that disappointment will turn into surrender, Father. I thank you for the promises that you've spoke. I believe that we will see them, Lord. I thank you for eyes to see what you're doing, Lord. I pray for faith, and I thank you, Father, for trauma, for pain, for things that have been become a part of our, our identity that have been lenses over our eyes, Lord. I pray that you will clear the lens, that we will see you with spirit eyes. I thank you for what you're doing, and we thank you, Lord, for what's next. We thank you that you are the God who puts things in order. So we ask that you move in our midst today with these things so we will be ready for what's next. We bless your mighty name. We thank you, Lord, and we trust you with all things. In your mighty name we pray. Amen, amen. Amen. Please uh, feel free to fellowship a little bit. I know the young adults are having their cookout, but greet Stacy before you go if you could. That would be great. God bless you.